Hello there, you're listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Katherine Kelly, your host. Today, we are speaking with Jay Timmons, who has been president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers since 2011 and chairman of the board of the Manufacturing Institute, the NAM's workforce development and education partner. The NAM is the largest manufacturing association in the U.S., representing small and large manufacturers in every industrial sector. Since Jay took the helm, the NAM has more than doubled in size, dramatically expanding its issue advocacy and enhancing the organization's influence and mobilization efforts outside of Washington, D.C. With manufacturers facing an urgent need for talented and skilled workers, Jay is a champion for connecting more Americans with rewarding careers in modern manufacturing. Together, the NAM and MI launched an unprecedented multi-million dollar workforce development campaign called Creators Wanted. I have to add that Jay attended the Ohio State University. Jay, go Bucks, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much, Catherine. Good to be here. I'm glad to have you. What are the most significant trends and advancements in the manufacturing manufacturing industry that have emerged since you began with NAM, or even when you took the helm of, of the NAM? Well, so I've been at the NAM for, uh, gosh, Coming up on 18 years, I've been in this job for coming up on 13. And if I thought about manufacturing of 2023 or soon to be 2024 back then, um, it, it would almost be like a fantasy world, right? I mean, I've, I'm young enough to be um, had to have really enjoyed the Jetsons and think about uh, thinking about when I was a kid, kind of that futuristic world. Well, we're in it right now. And if you think about um, what modern manufacturing is, and really that term modern manufacturing applies to almost everything we do, um, think about augmented reality and and drones and digital twins, the internet of things, um, and certainly um, AI and and how AI is infusing itself into into our processes. But, you know, the other thing that I think was really important that perhaps existed uh, when I first came to the NAM, but but I think is, is really supercharged right now. Um, and that is that manufacturers and the leaders of manufacturing are really leaning into their roles um, as folks who are uh, providing solutions to the problems that we face in, in the real world, things like environmental stewardship, um, how we are leaving the planet cleaner than, than we found it, how we're dealing with uh, some of the the community and cultural issues that impact all of our employees. These are things where manufacturers have really stepped up and um, shown shown what incredible leaders they really are. It's interesting that you say that because I um, one of the um, one of my favorite manufacturers out of Youngstown, Ohio, Mike Garvey from M Seven Technologies, you know, transitioned from steel manufacturing to um, to microscopy. And even he says in his plant, and I've walked his plant with him, is that he's a combination of the Jetsons and the Flintstones. So, <laughs> so how is NAM preparing members for these changes in additive manufacturing, artificial intelligence, the internet of thing, what, what have you? Yeah, well, first and foremost, um, uh, we want to make sure that nobody thinks it's okay to continue to be the Flintstones, right? <laughs> it it might have been a modern Stone Age family, but it still was the Stone Age. <laughs> so we need to make sure that um, our 
our industry is really prepared for the future. So if you think about um, if you if you think about the technology that is infused into to everything that we do in manufacturing, um, one of the ways the NIM is is providing assistance is through our manufacturers leadership council, uh, which really focuses on the digitization of of um, manufacturing and manufacturing 4.0. I guess it could be 5.0 now. I'm not exactly sure where we are on the continuum, uh, but we continue to advance with new technologies. Um, we provide not only uh, the leadership of manufacturing companies uh, with best practices and kind of real world insights. We also involve uh, plant managers and those that are actually involved in the operations on a daily basis um, in, in learning about these new processes, procedures, technologies. I think the other way that we really serve a, a very valuable role um, as an organization is to help manufacturers navigate some of those really difficult real world problems. So, um, and it's not so much navigating as it is telling our story, right? I mean, if you think about what manufacturing, well, let, let me back up by saying nothing is ever accomplished um, in terms of solving a problem in this world if it doesn't somehow involve manufacturing. So for instance, we can't have cleaner air. We can't have cleaner water. We can't have a healthier environment if it's not for manufacturing, because we're going to be the ones that are that are actually inventing the processes and the procedures and the technologies and the products that allow for that to happen. Um, we we have a vested interest in our communities in making sure that they're not only economically strong, but that they're culturally strong as well. That we're actually working together toward a common goal for the common good. And manufacturers, I think, excel at that, bringing people together, bringing together diverse um, uh, members of the workforce and and providing them with, with meaningful opportunities and jobs that, quite frankly, are never the same one year to the next. They're always changing. I think back to my grandfather when he was in manufacturing in the paper mill in Chillicothe, Ohio at Mead. And the technologies that are employed today, my grandfather would have had it would have it would have been complete science fiction for him to think about the things that we do just on a very routine basis to make sure that the workplace is healthy and safe and that uh, uh, that we're contributing to the community as well. Let's talk about workforce development since that's the one of the reasons you are here in Ohio. Uh, that pioneering creators wanted tour concluding at the Circleville Pumpkin Show in Circleville, Ohio. I was present when the tour uh, to build the workforce of tomorrow kicked off two years ago to the month at Columbus State Community College in Columbus, Ohio. What impacts have you already witnessed with the Creators Want a Tour campaign? Well, that's where you and I met, I believe. Uh, yes. First time. Um, and it was a that was a great event. Um, and this week is going to be great as well. Um, not only because it it is. It, it started in my home state of Ohio, um, but it is ending not only in my home state, but in my hometown of Circleville, Ohio, uh, at the greatest free show on earth, the Pumpkin Show. And I do hope, I do hope uh, a lot of folks can stop by. Look, we have had twenty stops all across the country with Creators Wanted Immersive Experience, which is an escape room concept uh, for mostly young people, but honestly anybody uh, to go through and figure out what. Uh, or to see firsthand what skills might be necessary or might be use, useful in manufacturing, problem solving, creativity, design, um, 
technology, all of these things are, are part of the creators wanted experience. And we've actually touched 15,000 or more students and career mentors who have gone through the immersive experience. And in addition to that, another one and a half million students and, and career mentors have signed up online to learn more about modern manufacturing careers. Um, we've, we've, one of our major goals was to increase the positive perception of manufacturing. When we started this, 27% of parents would have said, uh, would have recommended manufacturing as a career for their kids. Today, and I'm not going to give all credit to the creators wanted experience, but I'm going to give a lot of it because we've been everywhere. But it hasn't hurt, quite frankly, that we have uh, Republican and Democratic candidates for president both talking about the importance of a strong manufacturing sector and helping us to, to tell this story, as well as um, candidates for the Senate and House, too. But we've taken that positive percentage of 27 percent up to 40 percent which is a huge milestone. And that was one of our, of our key goals. Um, it's really, a, I, I think it has had a tremendously positive impact. And when you think about the fact that we have 600,000 open jobs in manufacturing today, we are in a constant, constant recruiting mode or uh, uh, operation. And so we, we're very excited that so many young people have really had a chance to kind of get a little taste of manufacturing and hopefully they're going to want to dive right in and, and be a part of the industry. Uh, can you share some successful programs or initiatives that have made a significant impact on training the manufacturing workforce? What has what do you see as working well? Well, I will tell you, Catherine, that what really works well is when a uh, a manufacturing uh, facility or or company focuses on their local community and invests in their local educational programs, whether it's at a high school level, I think of Palatine High School in, in Illinois, where manufacturers have, have made significant commitments and in, in, in terms of, of equipment to help train young people. I would have called it shop class in my day. That's how old I am, right? But it's really technical training. It's an earn and learn model sometimes, uh, especially for, for young people um, who are between high school and kind of that next step, whether that's uh, community college, technical college, four-year college, or or their career. Um, having having companies invest in their communities like that, I think, is essential. But it also takes the uh, takes the focus of the entire sector, with I believe a national focus. So that's what our manufacturing institute does at the National Association of Manufacturers. They they are our education and workforce partners. And they have several programs that have also helped to train and recruit um, folks into the sector. So, for instance, you may have heard of the Toyota FAME program, the Federation for Advanced Manufacturing Education. That's actually now the Manufacturing Institute's FAME program because to Toyota trusted the Institute so much to build out uh, this program. It's now 39 chapters in 14 states. And we've had over a thousand students enrolled in the program. Uh, that's an apprenticeship program, again, an earn and learn type program. Um, they also have a program called Women Make America. It's pretty sad that only 27% of the workforce today, the manufacturing workforce, is uh, female. And so the Institute has a goal by the year 2030 to increase that number to 35%. And if if we're able to do that, we're going to make a significant dent in those 600,000 open jobs. 
Um, we have a program called Heroes Make America at the Institute where we engage um, uh, departing military personnel or transitioning military personnel on Army bases um, as their the last 10 weeks of their, their service, giving them some real skills in manufacturing. And we've engaged 6,000 um, soldiers directly and more than 40,000 online in five years. Um, we're going to have 300 graduates of that program by the end of, of this year. We have programs, too, for Manufacturing Day, which happened just recently uh, throughout Ohio um, and in, in manufacturing facilities where we open their door our doors to, to young people. And then we also get engaged in second chance hiring. So for folks who have somehow been in, uh, involved in the criminal justice system and are trying to to uh, really kind of remake their lives, we want to be there to help them do that and to help strengthen uh, their communities. Uh, with their contributions to the manufacturing sector. And all of that involves active participation by manufacturers. I, I think it was a Chris Mapes, the CEO of Lincoln Electric, who said, if you're manufacturing, you're waiting at the end of the pipeline, you've got another thing coming. Yep. Or so, I'm horribly paraphrasing that. But. No, I get, I get it. Yeah. And uh, um, Chris is, frankly, one of the great leaders of the NAM. And we, we appreciate all that he and Lincoln Electric have done for us. Well, we know what manufacturers can do uh, to take control of their recruitment. What is the educational sector's responsibility in this equation? What should they be doing more to support this? Well, first and foremost, I think we have to have a bit of a reckoning um, among policymakers at all levels and our educational institutions to, to, to understand that not every job, not every rewarding job actually requires a four-year college degree. Some do, right? And mm -hmm. there are jobs in manufacturing that require four-year degrees. There are jobs in manufacturing that require advanced degrees. Um, but about half of the jobs in manufacturing really only require a high school degree or perhaps a few years or even quarters of technical training at a community college or a technical school. So I think that the, the relationship, and by the way, Ohio is, I think, one of the best in class examples, the relationships between the four-year institutions and the community colleges and or the technical colleges, I think are incredibly important because we're, we're, we have not always done a good job as society in preparing for the needs of the future. A lot of times we have prepared for perhaps the demands of present day or even um, or, or even allowed folks to, to engage in the educational system for their own aspirations without really understanding what the reality is. The reality is in manufacturing, we pay more than any other sector of the economy on average, which is, a, you know, which is, I think a myth that people, the myth is that we don't. And the reality is we do. The other myth is that that manufacturing jobs are kind of routine and rote when in reality, uh, the sky's the limit. If you want to, uh, if you want to experience something new and exciting on a regular basis, the career ladder and the opportunities to, to um, work in various parts of a manufacturing operation, I, I think are really limitless. Yes, you can work on the shop floor, 
or you can work in the back office, you can be involved in marketing, you can be involved in human resources, you can, of course, be involved in management. All of those things are key to a successful manufacturing operation, and manufacturers are always on the lookout for, for talent. The last part of that equation really goes down to the high school level. I'm thrilled, frankly, uh, to be going back to my my high school where I graduated many, many years ago, Logan Elm High School. Oh, that's amazing. In Pickaway County. It's amazing I graduated, I know. <laughs> no, uh, not that part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to be going back to talk to young people about what opportunities exist. You know, in when I graduated from Logan Elm, I didn't want to be a farmer, although I was a farmer when I was a young person. Um, we had we had cattle and we had tillable acreage. Um, and there wasn't a lot of opportunity in my mind in in my hometown. It was kind of either be a farmer or go to go to four year college. Well, that's not right. I mean, I think about the amazing opportunities in in Ross County and Pickaway County. Think about I think about Kenworth. And how excited I was, frankly, about uh, the Kenworth factory when it opened, but I wasn't thinking about it in terms of me actually working there. I go back now and I get the benefit of a tour of the facility and I just get, I vibrate with excitement about all the things that that are available there for, uh, for, for people who are looking for an exciting career. I think about the Honda plant in the Columbus area. I got to tour that just the other day. Um, and uh, I've toured several Honda facilities, but I hadn't I hadn't uh, had a tour of that facility. It was so awesome. My very first car that I purchased myself was built in that plant. Oh, really? And, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just it's just so cool to to think about that and to think about the connectivity. So my point here is is one of the things that manufacturing does that I think is is not as recognized as perhaps it should be is it allows families to stay together in their home communities. They don't have to, kids don't have to go somewhere else to, to have a meaningful career, a rewarding career, a really great job that provides for a high quality of life for, for their family. They can do it at home. And I look at all of the manufacturing facilities around this area. I look at the the possibilities. So back to Honda and their LG partnership that'll be in Fayette County and the number of jobs that'll create. The Intel facility where I was able to come to the groundbreaking when President Biden was there to break, uh, to, to put the shovel on the ground and the number of jobs there, um, as well as all these other uh, operations that are either existing now or will be coming to the area to be suppliers to those operations too. It's, again, the future is just limitless um, when it comes to manufacturing, and it's limitless in your own home community. You don't have to leave home. And I think that's just an amazing, uh, that's an amazing thing that I wish I had appreciated when I was younger. You're preaching to the choir here. It is incredibly humbling to go into any manufacturing plant to see what is being made. And speaking of the Honda plant or any other plant, I, I don't know about you, but every time I step foot into a manufacturing facility, it's almost as if I'm in you know an adult version of Disneyland. Yes, it really is. And you know what's really cool is to see the multi-generations that work there. <laughs> so they knew the secret. I don't know why I didn't. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's really cool to see. Here's here's somebody who says, oh, yeah, my grandson works over there. Like, 
my gosh, that is so cool. And so they understand. Um, they saw their parents and their grandparents and and how excited they were or are to go to work every single day. And they wanted to be a part of that. It's You're here rare. now, Jay. You're here now. So what is your, um, I, I know you already have, have spoken about this a, a little bit, but what is your vision for the future of American manufacturing? So my vision for the future of manufacturing is that we will uh, continue to be the most vibrant part of the world economy. We can only do that, though, Catherine, through the right public policies. Everybody wants manufacturing to succeed. We've heard it over and over again. Again, we've heard about it from both political parties, right? Um, we have benefited. This industry in the United States has benefited from a continuum of good policies put in place by previous presidents and administrations. So I think back to President Clinton and President Bush um, well, actually, President Bush 43, even back to Reagan, um, uh, Bush Bush 41, Bush 43, Obama, they all put in place a lot of uh, free trade agreements that allowed us to, to expand our potential around the world. 95% of the customers that manufacturers have access to reside outside of the United States. What does that mean? That means good jobs for people back home. However, manufacturers they're business people, right? They're going to have to make investments where it makes the most sense. So are they going to locate a facility in some other country or some other region of the world, or are they going to locate it here in the United States? Well, the Trump administration, they provided some amazing incentives when it came to a competitive tax code and regulatory certainty. The Biden administration, if you think about the infrastructure investment legislation, if you think about the Chips and Science Act, if you think about the policy part of the of the IRA bill, all of those things have positioned us for great, great success globally right here in the United States. Now, our challenge is, just to be blunt, we can't screw it up. And it's pretty easy to do that when you get into politics. So we have, for instance, the president talking about, well, we need to raise taxes on manufacturers. Well, you're going to raise the cost of doing business here in the United States when other countries around the world are lowering the cost of doing business? That doesn't make any sense. On the other side, you have some Republicans who are saying, we don't we don't want to worry about the rest of the world and trade with the rest of the world. We want to think about only America. Well, if we do that, at some point, our market pretty quickly, our market's going to be saturated, which means we're not going to be making as many things, which means not enough jobs. And then I would say this, when it comes to the workforce, yeah, we've got 600,000 job openings. And you and I have just discussed all the things that we can do um, from a, a business perspective or a, a local and educational community perspective. But there's something that policymakers can do as well. And what they can do is they can look at comprehensive immigration reform. It's not the it, it's not going to solve all the problems of the jobs that we have open, but it's going to help. And here's what I fear will happen, Catherine, if we don't if we don't buckle down and really realize that we've got to get serious about about those things. I fear that that jobs will be replaced with technology or investments will be made outside of the United States. And those would be unforced errors on our part, right? We, we don't have to do that. We just need members of Congress and the administration, whether they're Republican or Democrat, 
to come together and solve these problems and realize what it takes to lower the cost of doing business here in the United States and to ensure that we have a strong and effective workforce. That's all we ask. And if we get that, we're going to invest more, we're going to hire more, and we're going to raise wages and benefits, and we will be the strongest economy in the world for for generations to come. Let's hope that's the case. And I have to say thank you so much, Jay, for speaking with us. It has been a great honor. Well, thank you. I appreciate I appreciate being here and I appreciate you uh, helping us evangelize the the importance of manufacturing in America. <laughs>